0: Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Happy anniversary, Vale Christian. It's been 16 years since the launch of our church. Pastor Ben Pitney has a message titled, Partners in the Gospel. Join us in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3-11. through 11. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Happy anniversary, Vale Christian Church. Uh, let's do it one more time, okay? Come on. That is so pathetic. Happy anniversary, Vail Christian Church. Okay, yeah. Wow, 16 years, um, it seems like it's a long time, but it's actually not. And uh, we are really excited to celebrate our 16th anniversary today, and just kind of look back just a little bit, just for a little bit, and uh, keep looking forward. um, All the things that uh, so many has done. I mean, when we launched um, uh, Veiled Christian Church with 35 people, Um, I I didn't know what I was doing. That's for sure. And most people that came with me and that said we'll help you said, you really need some help. (laughs) And uh, we rallied 35 people into 75 people, and it wasn't long until we launched on a Sunday morning with a few hundred people, and um, the rest is history, so to speak. And uh, we certainly learned a lot, but the Lord has been really good to us over the last 16 years. I can't hardly believe it. And we're looking forward to amazing things that are going to happen into the future. But when we launched Veil Christian Church, we had... A mission statement that I was pretty I was pretty adamant about. Part of the reason why was just the 35 people that we gathered together had to make a commitment to other people. You had to carve out room in your life, space in your life to do something. You can't just launch a church by putting together a Sunday morning service. There's so much more. That's why we use the phrase. Uh, when we welcome people to veil, uh, veil Christian Church, we say welcome to just one expression of who we are. That's Sunday morning, just one. Just one thing. There's so much more. It's such a deep, rich, brilliant design by God. But you have to have room in your life if you're going to launch a church. You have to have space for relationships. People need relationship and they need connection. And without margin and space in your life, there's really no way that you can gather up folks and um, encourage people and explain who Jesus is. People need relationship to trust you and to listen. And so that's been a part of our life for 16 years that we are going to be people that make room in our lives so that we can connect people to God and we can connect people to other Christ followers. And we have this These other phrases that we use that are about who we are and what we do. We say worship, gather, give, serve. That is who we are and what we do. We're designed to be worshipers and we're here to worship and we're here to give God first place and worship uh, the creator, the author and the creator of the universe. We're here to worship. We're designed to worship. We're designed to gather people together to hear the good news. That's our mission and our mandate. We have room in our lives by the grace of God because being a Christ follower is being others-minded. The body of Christ is others-minded. And so each Christ follower in the church has a spiritual gift that's installed at you at conversion. And that gift isn't for outside the church and the community. It's not for you. It's for the household of faith, The body of Christ, Christ's followers, the church. The spiritual gifts are for the church. And that's why we gather together to utilize those gifts, to rally together, to um, encourage, inspire, motivate, teach, disciple, train, equip, and sharpen each other. It's a part of our our mantra to worship the creator of the universe and gather together. We also are givers. We know that we are givers. Christianity, being a Christ follower, is others-minded. It's about other people. I just said that, right? And so we give. We give back all that is God's anyway. He asks us to give a portion of it back. We give to each other. Our, Our gifts are given to each other and our finances. We are givers. And we celebrate that and lean into that. We worship gather, give, and we don't volunteer, we serve. Volunteer is kind of a dirty word for me. I don't buy it, volunteering. Volunteering is what you do when it's convenient for you, when it fits your schedule or your lifestyle or you're able to fit it in or work it in. That's volunteering. There's nothing wrong with volunteering. But Christ followers serve. Serve. We serve each other. We serve the body of Christ. We serve a risen Savior. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We serve all that we have, including our bodies, our heart, mind, and soul all belong to him. They're his, and we use them for him. So we serve, and we serve with gladness, and we serve with thanksgiving. So we are worshipers, gatherers, givers, givers. And servants. Those have been our mantras for so long and we do this because we've made room in our life to connect people with others and that's why we are here in this community. I want you to turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to just look briefly at just a few verses where The Apostle Paul, I I believe, in his short letter to the Philippians, he writes such encouraging things. And as we draw the truth from what he is writing today, I think that you can see a lot about our mission as a church, our mandate as a church, and a model for who we are and what we do and how we're supposed to live. I can't think of a better day than on our anniversary. You know, we launched... Vail Christian Church on Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, because of the pandemic, the Super Bowl will be on a different week this year. <laughs> they kind of moved it moved it a little bit more. And I don't know if it's going to always be there. But we launched it on a Super Bowl Sunday. And I didn't know it was Super Bowl Sunday. That's We decided so far out front when we were going to start that that didn't even cross my mind. And so I take full responsibility for that. But I didn't it has never seemed to affect us really. Super Bowl is late in the afternoon. And um, it's amazing what kind of things can be done when you rally together as a church, and what kind of things just sort of fade into the distance and become second place. Lots of people thought that we were crazy they ought to change it. I'm so glad that we didn't. Paul writes this letter, and I'm going to start in verse 3, and I want you to just follow along to verse 11 and just kind of listen to the rich things that come out of Paul's heart and attitude regarding these people in this church. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy in my every prayer for all of you because your participation in the gospel from the first day until now for i'm sure of this very thing that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ jesus for it's right for me to think this about all of you because i've had you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in my and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel all of you became partners in God's grace together with me. For God is my witness that I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love may abound even more and more in knowledge and every kind of insight so that you can decide what is best and thus be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Oh, there's so many things there. But can you hear his affection for these people in this church? Can you just hear what he loves and appreciates about them as he established their church, as he preached the gospel, and people gave their lives to Jesus and joined and partnered with him in this unbelievable mission. I think, I, I just, my, my first point is that, I just said an immense possibility for Vail Christian Church. You know, if we could just be that kind of church to where the Apostle Paul would say, oh my gosh, I'm so appreciative of you. I mean, every time I think about you, I, I thank God in my prayers. You're always on my mind, and my heart. Your partnership means so much to me. See, Paul's letter to the Philippians reveals a lot about God's transforming power, the power to change people from the inside out. This letter teaches us about the work of God's power. There is no doubt the work of God's power and his power at work in us, within us when you surrender your life to Jesus. I think this letter teaches us a lot about the church too and the way the church is supposed to function. And this takes on special relevance, I think, when we consider the crucial juncture that we're in as a church in our history and our place in history around us, uh, uh, the history of our culture and our community. I think this is the sweetest time in the world to be the church, to be alive. These are difficult times. There's no doubt we've been through difficult times. But I think we are poised for some really good things. I think there are hard things in front of us. I think it's going to take sacrifice and unbelievable amounts of work. But I I believe God intends to use this time to draw us closer to himself, to humble us, and to cause us to examine and purify our motives. I think more and more, our culture needs the church to sit up and to pay attention and to be aggressive. I think it's time we shed ourselves of things that don't really matter and that don't count. I think we should be lean and focused on all kinds of things. I believe God will enlarge our vision of what he can do through us and in this community, but I think you have to open up your heart and I think you have to be ready and willing, not to volunteer, but to serve. I think this can only happen by the Holy Spirit of God writing God's word on our hearts. So let's just take a few minutes and look at the word and expect God to work just by um, looking into the scriptures today and drawing the truth out of the text and see how does this apply to you and me? Right here and right now. See, Paul's joy in thanksgiving was for this church and these people. I mean, if you want to, I, I, I just think that there, there couldn't be a higher compliment than for the Apostle Paul to, to be full of joy and thanksgiving for you as a church, saying, Wow, you guys, you guys are really doing what you should. I think it's a high compliment. And the main point of these verses. In verses 3 and 4 is where Paul informs the Christ followers at Philippi that whenever he prays for them, he can't help but pray with thanksgiving and joy. This is the way it's supposed to be. And I, I see you as family. That's why we describe the church as a family of families, a household of faith, people you can count on and you love and that you roll up your sleeves with and... and um. And work hard with. He thinks joy for them. And then in verses 5 through 8, he tells us why he prays this way. And then verses 9 through 11, he tells us what he prays for when he prays with thanks and joy. But I just want to focus on verses 5 through 8. I think that's where the heart is uh, this morning for us. What was it about these people, the Philippians, that caused Paul to be so thankful and so joyful whenever he prayed for them? What was it? What's the secret sauce? What's the recipe for that? I think when you grab a hold of that, that's when you can really be successful as a church. There is a joy rising above circumstances. That's really the the next point that I want to make. His response is especially striking. When you consider his circumstances, our circumstances change everything, don't they? Oh, man, just stub your toe and not have a bad attitude. Step on one of those Lego things that your kid leaves out. And you'll find out what kind of attitude you really have, right? You know... Paul's response is unbelievable. Paul's in prison, probably in Rome. I think most definitely in Rome. And humanly speaking, his life was very much on the line, his life. I mean, we know a lot of his journey. He's been beaten a lot for the things that he is teaching and preaching, the gospel in particular, right? So we can see all of this from verse 20 You can look at verse 20 on your own, despite his circumstances, right? Paul's letter to the Philippians, it oozes joy beyond any of his other letters. His other letters are full of joy, and you can see it all the time. But this letter in particular, I like that word ooze. It just seeps out joy and satisfaction in spite of his circumstances, he, uh, uh, in, in fact, he uses the word joy and he uses uh, or rejoice 16 times in this short little letter. Joy, right? So right away we can learn an obvious lesson for, for us, right? And it applies right to us. We don't have to go any further. The joy spoken of here in the scriptures, it's not a superficial joy determined by um, his immediate circumstances. And it should not be by our immediate circumstances, So here's our chance to pause just for a second and ask a question. A question like this. If you look back over your life this past week, just this past week, this past seven days, what source are you pursuing joy from? What's the source of your joy and that you pursue joy from? Do you ever stop and ask yourself that kind of question? I think it's a great question, actually. Is it the circumstances at work that make you full of joy? You know, as awesome as it is to work at Vail Christian Church, sometimes it's just hard and difficult and people are obstinate and there's problems and whatever happened, you know. Of all Sundays, we had two of these heaters go out that, around the baptistry and in the cafe thing, you know. The circumstances are, we're going to baptize people, and it's freezing cold out there. When you get out of the water, right? I mean, I was was just thinking, why why today? What does this have to happen today? Could have Monday would have been good. (laughs) We can fix it then. Circumstances, right? Do Do you get joy from some new possession? You know. I mean, it's true. I like the new car smell. Somehow it produces joy in my life. (laughs) Circumstances or stuff or things, right? Goodness. Or is it people's response to you? Maybe their opinion of you or their opinion of your opinions. You get joy from that? Everybody likes likes on Facebook. Nobody posts things for people to go, I don't like that. I mean, I guess unless you're trying to stir it up and you get joy from that. <laughs> Some people do. You know what? If, if our joy runs only as deep as our day-to-day circumstances, that's the point. I'm not going to belabor it. But, it, but if, if that's how thin your joy is, then we're all, you're doomed. You're totally doomed. Your attitude will forever be up and down, blown easily by the winds of the day's circumstances. Paul has a a joy in partnership, though. And I want to talk about that today just a little bit. Paul's joy transcended the painful and the mundane circumstances of his life. The immediate occasion of Paul's joy is given actually in verse 5. Look at verse 5, where we learn that the church in Philippi, which Paul had founded, which he launched, he planted and established years before this letter, they were continuing to be partners with him in the gospel. Partners in the gospel. Now, we use that terminology at Vail Christian Church actually a lot. Because membership is uh, is really hard to establish as a non-denominational church. It's, it, you know, I kind of hate to see it. It's a little old-fashioned and clunky, so we don't, we don't use the term membership. It's important. I think it's something that we um, value, but we, um, we've turned it into partnership, actually. We feel like partnership is a better way to describe really what membership used to be. And so... This is what Paul is so excited about, this continuing partnership with him in the gospel, the good news. So what did this partnership look like? And what is the gospel anyway? You know, we need to know these things. What's the gospel? Knowing the answer to these questions, I think, is really important. I I would say it's vital if you want to receive salvation and have a life transforming relationship with Jesus Christ, because belief in the wrong gospel, in particular, will not save you. It will condemn you. So, the gospel is really important to understand. Let's look at what uh, Paul has to say first in uh, Galatians chapter 1. He's got a very dynamic, sort of dramatic response to something in Galatians chapter 1 starting in verse 6 he says I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are following a different gospel I'm astonished I'm stupefied I'd say he's actually pretty upset and mad right he says good good grief not that there's really any other gospel but there are some who are disturbing you and wanting to distort the gospel of Christ, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach the gospel contrary to the one we preach you, let him be condemned to hell. Wow did you just he said, you should go to hell if you're going to preach or believe in anything but the gospel I, that, that's what he said as we've said before now he says oh, you didn't hear me the first time i'm going to say it again if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive let him be condemned to hell wow 1 Corinthians 15, just four verses, provides a good summary of what the gospel is. There's many places you can go. Let's just choose this uh, writing of Paul to another church. He says in uh, verse 15, uh, chapter 15 in the first four verses, he says, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received, and on which you stand, it's your foundation, and by which you are saved, If you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believe in vain, for I passed on to you as of first importance, it's first, what I also received, here it is, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that's the truth, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, there it is in one little sentence. That's the gospel, the good news. God made a way for us through Jesus, his son, paying our penalty for our sin, saving us through his death, and raised on the third day. Now, go back to chapter 1 in Philippians in verse 7. Go back to chapter 1 in Philippians. Paul tells us that they were partners with him in grace, both in his imprisonment and in the defense. And confirmation of the gospel. This partnership in the gospel is a big deal. The good news. Verse 7. For it's right for me to think this about all of you. Because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. You know, the good news. All of you became partners in God's grace together with me. This was a journey and a process and you've come to Jesus. And it's because of the gospel. Then in chapter 4, you just flip the pages over just a little bit to chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 14, we learn even more. He says, Nevertheless, you did well to share with me in my trouble. And as you Philippians know, at the beginning of my gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica... On more than one occasion, you sent something for my need. I don't say this because I'm seeking a gift, rather. I seek the credit that abounds to your account. For I've received everything, and I have plenty. And I have all I need because I've received from Epaphroditus what you sent, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, very pleasing to God. So part of the Philippians' partnership in the gospel with Paul, consisted of their financial support of his gospel work. He's the ultimate church planter, the ultimate establisher of churches. You could call him missionary, right? But the Philippians' partnership, they, it went far beyond money. I mean, they gave money, financial support, money. In, in chapter 2, verse 25, you learn that they, they sent one of their own, Epaphroditus, as their messenger to represent them, stay with Paul for a while, to be of any practical help uh, that he could. And their partnership went even further than this. They they didn't just participate in the gospel at a distance through other people, as important as that kind of participation is, they didn't stop there. They lived for the advancement of the gospel in their neighborhoods and at their workplaces. And a result, as a result, according to Verse 30 of chapter 1, go down to that verse. The Philippians were getting the taste of the same kind of persecution which Paul had, uh, had a steady diet of. Look at verse 30. He says, since you are encountering the same conflict that you saw me face, and now here that I am facing. You know, when you live it, people have to deal with you when you're really living the way God wants you to live. When the gospel saturates your life, and when you represent Christ, and when you preach Jesus, it's pretty radical. And you face conflict because a lot of people don't really like it. When churches are really doing what they're supposed to, I think verse 30 happens. You find some of the same conflicts that Paul faced. Opposition. To the truth, we have uh, a lot of these kind of partnerships. I just want to remind you: the the cro- uh, excuse me, the Yodas family is in Ukraine, and they're facing some pretty big obstacles right now. They've been there a long time. We've been a part of partnering with them for um, a long time, for our, almost our entire existence as a church. We've helped them establish and plant churches. They are church planters and trainers of church planters. We've helped build a church. And seen it crumble physically when Putin invaded Crimea and um, destroyed a lot of things. But you know what is still there? All the church planters and all the people. Uh, the buildings can be taken away and crumbled, and they can um, be annexed, if you will. But uh, we've partnered with the right things, right? And the gospel has prevailed. We've seen amazing things to the Yodases. I'm not exactly sure what's going to keep happening with them. Um, they have had to flee in some cases. They, um, I don't know if they'll get to go back. But I know all the truth and the seeds have been planted and they are there. The Cross family is in Spain and they're, we're partnering with them and they... Um, focus on uh, the Muslim community that is um, migrated to Spain, helping them find jobs, teaching them English, helping them get connected to all kinds of services and housing and education. The Crosses are an amazing young family, as it should be, rolling up their sleeves, doing some of the most difficult work you can. We're partnering with them. And then if you were here last week, we have a whole slew of, of local partnerships I'm so excited about constantly. People like Gospel Rescue Mission, More Than a Bed, Pro Love, Hands of Hope, Children's Baptist, Arizona Baptist Children's Services, fostering, in a, fostering children and adoption, and on and on. Our partnerships are amazing. We've launched our own team called For life, and they help you connect boots on the ground with great ministries that are partnering in the gospel that we can partner with. I think these are exciting things. This is just some of the things that we partner with and that God has blessed us to roll up our sleeves with. Unbelievable people. Yes, Paul rejoiced and was thankful for their multifaceted partnerships, but his joy wasn't merely in that partnership but much more in what their partnership pointed to. That's what we want to get to. And I think it is joy in knowing that God is at work. Where do you find this? Paul's filled with thanks and joy because the Philippians were partners with him in the gospel, but there's a deeper foundation for his joy than these outward displays of concern for the gospel and for him and even support. This practical partnership in the gospel was the symptom of something greater. It pointed to a deeper reality. It was the result of an evidence that something mysterious and wonderful was taking place in the lives of these people. Their partnership in verse 5 gives rise to it in verse 6. Look at verse 6. For I'm sure of this very thing that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it Until the day of Christ Jesus. You see what the implications are here. Philippians 1.6 is one of the most significant and most quoted promises in the Bible. And it should be the fact that God is at work in his people changing the thought patterns and the preferences of our sinful nature. So that we love what he does is miraculous and magnificent. There's no more incredible promise than this. It's the new covenant promise that God does the transformation and change in the lives of people when they surrender their lives to him him, through belief in the gospel. Ezekiel chapter 36 contains this new covenant promise it's in the old testament and this promise is coming ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 and 27 says i will give you a new heart i will put a new spirit within you i will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh i will put my spirit within you i will take the initiative and you will obey my statutes and carefully observe my regulations this new covenant promise then is repeated in philippians chapter 2 Verse 13, for the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort, who is that? For the sake of his good pleasure is God. God does this work in the life of the believer, the Christ follower. That's the new covenant promise that he will do this work. So, real quickly, what does this have to do with me? I'm just gonna summarize this with some questions, all right? So, hang tight with me. I'm gonna ask the question and answer it. I think it's the best way to journey through this. What does this have to do with me? So, why is Paul so thankful to God for the Philippians' partnership in the gospel? Why does the gospel and the God in it proclaim, and the God it proclaims, Why does it taste so good to these people? This mystery of spiritual taste, I think it's explained by the new covenant promise. The new covenant promises of God working in us, not only to do what pleases him, but to desire to do what pleases him. That's what God does. That's the mystery of of it all. So let's just start. When does this work begin? When does this work that God does, when does it begin? <clears throat> when he opens up your heart to believe, as he did to Lydia, the first convert in Philippi. When he opens up your heart to believe. You know, the Holy Spirit of God knocks on your heart. And when he does, he says, I want it. And you can stiff arm him if you want. You can walk away if you want. You can rebel and reject him. Don't do that because that's where the work begins. If he's knocked on your heart, even today, he wants it. He's chosen you. Why would you reject God? There are no promises in God's word that he will swing back around next Sunday or tomorrow, or at the end of the month. You know there are no promises of God that he would do that again? He can. Maybe he will. Why would you do that? That's when the work begins. When he opens your heart to believe, as Lydia did, the first convert in Philippi. And she put up her hand in surrender and said, I'm sinful, I need a savior, and I see that you have made a way. From me through your son Jesus that's what I want that's what I need that's when it begins number two when will he complete it this work that he's doing when does it get completed well <clears throat> at the second coming of Christ Paul writes in Philippians 3 20 he says but our citizenship is in heaven that's where we were created to be that's where we belong and we also await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform these humble bodies of ours into the likeness of his glorious body by, the, by means of that power by which he is able to subject all things to himself. When he returns, that's when we get completed in our glorified state. Our bodies are transformed. So it's a journey, isn't it? It's a journey. <clears throat> is this going to happen? Is this really going to happen? The answer is yes. God finishes what he starts. So if he started a work in you, he will finish it. If he began a work in you, he will finish it. He does what he says he's going to do. First Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. He will do it. First 1 Corinthians 1, 1.8. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, 29. Oh, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Yes, God finishes what he starts. You can count on that. He always does what he says he's going to do. Number four, to whom does this promise apply? Yeah, that would be good to know. These are promises. Who do they apply to? let we'll 's start by saying not for those who've made decided maybe you've decided to follow Christ but you've never progressed beyond that point and have no life-changing interest in Jesus today I know that sounds harsh but according to Paul it only applies to those who are partners in the gospel yes, though they are not perfect these partners they are still growing in this partnership this growing commitment to the gospel serves as evidence that God has begun a good work and that he will complete it. So the growth and the commitment to the gospel serves as evidence. That's why we have to be about the gospel. That's why it's so vital. That's why it's so key. That's why we use the term partners in the gospel. You want to be a partner? Here are the key. That's who the promises apply to. That's why it's so urgent. That's why Vail needs a church. Right here, right now. Explaining, presenting, preaching the good news, the gospel. Father in heaven, uh, we truly are grateful. And um, we're grateful that you've included us in this mission that you have. Thank you for making a way. For um, sinful people like us to be in your presence through your Son Jesus, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. We know that um, your your plan and your 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 mission, Lord, is to establish a body of Christ followers, the church. We know this is your plan all along, and and um, we're so grateful that you would included us, that you would include us in this mission. So uh, we love the place that we live, Lord. We love the community that we live in, the, the, the people. We love our, our school district. We love all these things here. And it is true that the Vail community deserves a healthy, vibrant household of faith, body of Christ. And so uh, thank you, Lord, that you have established well your church right here in this community. We look back over our history and all the the milestones and the markers and the things that um, you've done, Lord. We look at all the children that um, have come through our arms and our hands at Vail Christian Church, all the weddings and, and funerals, all the donuts that we've made and the coffee that's served, all the community groups that have been launched, all the Bible lessons and classes, all the mission trips and children sent to camp and invited to day camp all the kids night out events lord there's so many of these unbelievable things and all the wonderful partnerships that you've given us people who are partnering in the gospel and serving and glorifying and honoring you lord all the worship songs that we've sung and all the praises that we've given And the things that you've given us to shoulder, Lord, it's, you've been good to us and you've blessed us and we're here this morning on our knees to honor you and to give you first place, first position in all of this. If there's anything that's been good um, that's happened through Vail Christian Church, Lord God, it's because of you and not because of us. We're so blessed and appreciative of how you've um, included us and chosen us and Um, honored us Lord. We pray that we might represent you well into the future and that Vail Christian Church might continue to thrive and grow and glorify and honor you and point towards you. We pray this in Jesus name with grateful hearts and thanksgiving. Amen. Mm Thank you for listening to the Vale Christian Church podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.valechristian.com.